Part three, chapter seven of the Secret City. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. The Secret City by Hugh Walpole. Part three, chapter seven. I was on the point of setting out for the English prospect on Saturday evening, when there was a knock on my door, and to my surprise Nicholas Markovitch came in. He was in evening dress, rather quaint it seemed to me, with his pointed collar so high, his tail-coat so much too small, and his large-brimmed bowler hat. He explained to me confusedly that he wished to walk with me alone to the church, that he had things to tell me that we should meet the others there. I saw at once two things, that he was very miserable, that he was a little drunk. His misery showed itself in his strange, pathetic, gleaming eyes that looked so often as though they held unshed tears. This gave him an unfortunate, ridiculous aspect. In his hollow, pale cheeks and the droop of his mouth, not petulant nor peevish simply unhappy in the way that animals or very young children express unhappiness his drunkenness showed itself in quite another way he was unsteady a little on his feet and his hands trembled his forehead was flushed and he spoke thickly sometimes running his words together at the same time he was not very drunk and was quite in control of his thoughts and intentions we went out together. It could not have been called a fine night. It was too cold, and there was a hint of rain in the air. And yet there is beauty, I believe, in every Russian Easter Eve. The day comes so wonderfully at the end of the long, heavy winter. The white nights, with their incredible, almost terrifying beauty, are at hand. The ice is broken. The new world of sun and flowers is ready, at an instant's magic word, to be born. Nevertheless, this year, there was an incredible pathos in the wind. The soul of Petrograd was indeed stirring, but mournfully, ominously. There were not, for one thing, the rows of little fairy lamps that on this night always make the streets so gay. They hang in chains and clusters of light from street to street, blazing in the square, reflected star-like in the canals, misty and golden-veiled in distance, to-night only the churches had their lights for the rest the streets were black chasms of windy desolation the canals burdened with the breaking ice which moved restlessly against the dead barges very strong in the air was the smell of the sea the heavy clouds that moved in a strange kind of ordered procession overhead seemed to carry that scent with them and in the dim pale shadows of the evening glow one seemed to see at the end of every street mysterious clusters of mass and to hear the clank of chains and the creak of restless boards there were few people about and a great silence everywhere the air was damp and thick and smelt of rotten soil as though dank grass was everywhere pushing its way up through the cobbles and paving stones as we walked, Markovitch talked incessantly. It was only a very little, the talk of a drunken man, scarcely disconnected at all. But every now and again, running into sudden little wildnesses and extravagances, I cannot remember nearly all that he said. He came suddenly, as I expected him to do, to the subject of Semyonov. 
You know, of course, that Alexey Petrovitch is living with us now. Yes, I know that. You can understand, Ivan Andreevich, that when he came first and proposed it to me, I was startled. I had other things, very serious things, to think of just then. We weren't, we aren't, very happy at home just now, you know that. I didn't think he'd be very gay with us. I told him that. He said he didn't expect to be gay anywhere at this time, but that he was lonely in his flat all by himself, and he thought for a week or two he'd like company. He didn't expect it would be for very long. No, he said he was expecting something to happen, something to himself, he said, that would alter his affairs. So, as it was only for a little time, well, it didn't seem to matter. Besides, he's a powerful man. He's difficult to resist, very difficult to resist. Why have you given up your inventions, Nikolai Leontovitch? I said to him, suddenly turning round upon him. My inventions, he repeated, seeming very startled at that. Yes, your inventions. No, no, understand, I have no more use for them. There are other things now to think about, more important things. But you are getting on with them so well? No, not really. I was deceiving myself, as I have often deceived myself before. Alexey showed me that. He told me that they were no good. But I thought that he encouraged you. Yes, at first, only at first. Afterwards he saw into them more clearly. He changed his mind. I think he was only intending to be kind. A strange man, a strange man. A very strange man. Don't you let him influence you, Nicholas Markovitch? Influence me? Do you think he does that? He suddenly came close to me, catching my arm. I don't know. I haven't seen you often together. Perhaps he does. Mojed buit. You may be right. I don't know. I don't know what I feel about him at all. Sometimes he seems to me very kind. Sometimes I'm frightened of him. Sometimes... Here he dropped his voice. He makes me very angry, so angry that I lose control of myself. A despicable thing, a despicable thing, just as I used to feel about the old man to whom I was secretary. I nearly murdered him once. In the middle of the night I thought suddenly of his stomach, all round and white and shining. It was an irresistible temptation to plunge a knife into it. I was awake for hours thinking of it. Every man has such hours. At the same time, Alexey can be very kind. How do you mean kind? I asked. For instance, he has some very good wine, fifty bottles at least. He has given it all to us. Then he insists on paying us for his food. He is a generous, spirited man. Money is nothing to us. Don't you drink his wine, I said. Nicholas was instantly offended. What do you mean, Ivan Andreevich, not drink his wine? Am I an infant? Can I not look after myself? Blagadaryuvas, I am more than ten years old. He took his hand away from my arm. No, I didn't mean that at all, I assured him. Of course not. Only you told me not long ago that you had given up wine altogether. That's why I said what I did. So I have, so I have, he eagerly assured me. But Easter's a time for rejoicing, rejoicing, his voice rose suddenly shrill and scornful, rejoicing with the world in the state that it is. Truly, Ivan Andreevich, I don't wonder at Alexey's cynicism, I don't, indeed. 
the world is a sad spectacle for an observant man he suddenly put his hand through my arm so close to me now that i could feel his beating heart but you believe don't you ivan andreyevitch that russia now has found herself his voice became desperately urgent and beseeching you must believe that you don't agree with those fools who don't believe that she will make the best of all this fools scoundrels scoundrels that's what they are i must believe in russia now or i shall die and so with all of us if she does not rise now as one great country and lead the world she will never do so our hearts must break but she will she will no one who is watching events can doubt it only cynics like alexey doubt he doubts everything and he cannot leave anything alone he must smear everything with his dirty finger but he must leave russia alone i tell him he broke off if russia fails now he spoke very quietly my life is over i have nothing left i will die come nikolai leonovitch i said you mustn't let yourself go like that life isn't over because one is disappointed in one's country and even though one is disappointed one does not love the less what's friendship worth if every disappointment chills one's affection one loves one's country because she is one's country not because she's disappointing and so i went on with a number of amiable platitudes struggling to comfort him somewhere and knowing that i was not even beginning to touch the trouble of his soul he drew very close to me his fingers gripping my sleeve i'll tell you ivan andreyevitch but you mustn't tell anybody else i'm afraid yes i am afraid of myself afraid of this town afraid of alexey although that must seem strange to you things are very bad with me ivan andreyevitch very bad indeed oh i have been disappointed yes i have not that i expected anything else but now it has come at last the blow that i have always feared has fallen a very heavy blow my own fault perhaps i don't know but i'm afraid of myself i don't know what i may do i have such strange dreams why has alexey come to stay with us i don't know i said then thank god we reached the church it was only as we went up the steps that i realized that he had never once mentioned vera end of part three chapter seven